Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, podcast where a emotionally abusive comedian talks to a relationship therapist. That's pretty harsh, emotionally abusive. Maybe we'll <laughs> go with cynical. One day you're going to be quoted on this being like, he has self-labeled himself as emotionally abusive. I have a, uh, I have a new um, uh, diagnosis to add to the uh, psychology diagnostic manual. It's called uh, chronic pathologizing syndrome. Uh, I love it. It's people who just want to pathologize every human behavior. Yes. So uh, we can can call it CPS. No, we can't call it that. We're going to call it something else. Why? Is CPS already a thing? Yeah, child protection services. Yeah, but that's an organization. (laughs) It's not an illness, so... Okay, true. We can call it CPS. Um, and then the, the less intense version of that is CLS, chronic labeling syndrome. <laughs> I love that. And then um, the risk factors for people who have chronic uh, pathologizing syndrome or chronic labeling syndrome are most likely younger, spend a lot of time on social media, most likely in Gen Z. Um, Claim to be woke. Yes. Uh, very low self-worth. Or too high. Well, you can't really have... Too high self-worth, can you? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you can. Boisterous yeah. ego. Yeah, Does but it it's sense? different to narcissism because it's yeah. not – it's your externalizing all these problems onto everyone else. Mm. What about just low um, self-awareness? Yes, low self-awareness. Yeah. And I said um, – I was just bored one day. I just started writing as though it was an actual <laughs> diagnosis. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, the, first, the first thing you need to um, do, if you if you suspect a friend or colleague of yours may have CPS, you need to first uh, engage with the possibility that the labels that they are directing towards you may have some truth to them. <laughs> so you need to make sure you're not the one with CPS. So you need to go and talk to other friends or neutral third parties and ask, am I manipulative? Yeah. Am I... An egomaniac. What happens if you label everyone else with having CPS? Well, that's the problem with it. It can be um, someone, once you once you understand that label, some, if you have CPS, you could just start using that label <laughs> willy-nilly. So uh, maybe not, not next podcast, but the podcast one after, I'll, I'll have a proper written-out document. I'm going to start diagnosing people at work with it and just medicating them. Yeah, because yeah. the problem is that the actual label itself can be used as a way to uh, um, a- avoid actual criticism. What's, what is the prescribed solution? Well, I said uh, there's, there's, no, uh, <laughs> uh, there, there's no definite cure or solution for CPS. Um, in <laughs> fact, the way you would normally treat a psychological d- diagnosis like this would be to visit a, a therapist or a psychologist. The thing is, a lot of psychologists and therapists may actually have CPS, and that's why they were yes. attracted to the field in the first place. So, so uh, you may just have to avoid the person and hope that they realize it themselves. Turn to Buddhism, I reckon, and like become very humble, and hmm. then you can't you can't complain if you te- approach that. You can't diagnose anyone, and you just got to look at everyone with compassion. That's exactly right. All right, that sounds perfect. Good. That's the perfect cure. Okay. Buddhism, and maybe also just refer to me, um, and um, pay me lots of money, and I'll sort them out. There you go. If you think you have CPS, or someone you know has CPS. Call Eliza. Tell them to write into us. (laughs) Yeah. DM her.
Yeah, DM me. Actually, that's funny. You know how I kept um, joking about in our last podcast, people sending you, sending me all dick pics. Mm. Um, someone I can't remember how, but he, who, but he sent me a photo of um, saying he's a dick pic for you, and it fully had like to my DMs, and it fully had the like you know this image has been blurred for your um, sensitivity viewing or whatever, like warning from Instagram, mm. and I was like. Do I click it or don't click it? Like, clearly it's a dick. So, I fully screenshotted this bit, prepared to roast this guy in the group chat. And then I did view it <laughs> and it was a man called Dick. So, that was funny. He got me. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe it was a photo of me. <laughs> it was a dick for you. But isn't it funny, just those words beneath the image, here's a photo of a dick. It automatically blurs out the image. Without even like scanning what it is. I wonder how many people haven't opened images like that, thinking that it could actually be a dick. Yeah, he told and then me thinking uh, the people exactly. Are he told me afterwards he does it to his girlfriends, like girlfriends. Yeah, like female oh, okay. friends that are. Is he polyamorous? No, like platonic friends that okay. are girls. It's just you wouldn't refer to them as girlfriends, would you? <laughs> what else? What do you call them? Do my friends that are female? Female friends. I don't know. That just sounds... I know um, females will refer to their female friends as, oh, my girl, I'm going out with my girlfriends. But whenever I hear a guy say, I send it to my girlfriends, that (laughs) sounds weird. (laughs) Yeah. True. True. Actually, that kind of brings into this whole thing about how I've been looking into how we always refer to women and things like as girls, but we never refer to men so much as boys like when you think about things like girl with a dragon tattoo and stuff like that or gone girl which are about Mm. women but what if we had flipped the gender and we were like gone boy everyone would assume it would be about a child or boy with a dragon tattoo like a young boy kind of thing so that was an interesting concept that's true the uh infant version of the sex is is referred to a lot more when it comes to females but then when you're around your your friends, you'll say, "Oh, I'm with the boys." Mm. How you doing, but boys? That's different. Like the boys is like a whole concept of on its own. Yeah, I don't know. I remember when I went to my friend's wedding, and then the groom was like, "What is Saturday for?" And then everyone, like guys, stood up in the wedding, being like, "The boys," and I was like, oh. <laughs> "Yeah, that probably does make women cringe a lot." Yeah, the whole boys thing. <laughs> And my brother has a tattoo on his foot and it's like ATB, which stands for all the boys. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's so shit. <laughs> Our friend group in high school was just TB, the boys. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's shocking. You, Although, own, you own the cringy elements of it. Yeah, you got to. And I can't talk shit about that tattoo. I have a fucking pigeon tattooed on me. so That's unique. <laughs> yeah. Let's Whereas go. I feel like so many guys are going to have, whether it's whether it specifically says the boys or all the boys, some yeah. sort of in-joke with their boy group yeah. that they got on a drunken night. We, we had one of our friends, uh, such a, it's, it's a convoluted story, but um, there was a guy who made sketches called Jimmy Tatro. He still does. He's now an actor. He's doing really well in Hollywood. And mm. they were doing a sketch about, uh, first year college students in, in America in a frat house and there was some reference about someone who used to be at the frat ho- house called McCoy and um, they were just talking about, we haven't seen these numbers since McCoy was here McCoy, and they all start <laughs> chanting McCoy 
Um, and so then we had this award night every year called the TB Awards. So oh, who got no. who partied the hardest? Who um, oh, that's kind hooked of up the most? Who yeah. you know just and then we had some really sentimental ones as well, like the most valuable player, which Aww. is someone who we feel has had a great year. I love that. Yeah. So uh, there was a soft side to it. Aww. Uh, there was also a lot of shenanigans that I just definitely cannot talk about here. Um, and then one of our friends won the yeah it was called the McCoy Award. So basically, who partied the hardest, <laughs> and then. The, to prove that they actually were the true McCoy, they had to go uh, to King's Cross and get a tattoo of McCoy's chips on their butt cheek. Oh, no. And so to this day, he's still got that tattoo on his ass. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, good on him. At least it's on its ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Did you win any awards? Yeah, I won the MVP award one year, actually. That was really wow. nice. Although I was in Melbourne, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the speech. We all dressed up as well. And, oh, my God, I love that. I want to start <laughs> doing that with my girlfriends. <laughs> I'm going to steal that idea. I've stopped that now for the last couple of years, but Aww. it was uh, it was, it was uh, interesting. That's so wholesome. Oh, it wasn't wholesome, <laughs> but talking about it sounds wholesome. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna steal that idea. I did that. Um, well, I we did that once in high school for like our year twelve formal. Like the oh, we handed out awards, oh, yeah. and one group of girls like did everything, but they were so fucking nasty. It was like the sweatiest girl, and who has like the worst, who smells the worst, and like he's got the most dead hair and things like that. There was a couple of nice. I won an award. It was like best smile. So that was nice, but most of them were just really savage, and I was like, "Fuck, teenage girls!" Sweatiest girl. <laughs> yeah, and she was there. This poor girl <laughs> was there with her. Award. She brought this guy as her date, her biggest crush, and oh, I just felt so bad for her because she did sweat a lot. But she, it was like a, it was. A, oh, <laughs> I feel really bad. Yeah, it was a thing. Oh, so. Hopefully, she's overcome that and is an insecure. Probably about not. It. You know, <laughs> shit that happens in high school can really traumatize. Definitely can. People their entire yeah, it's life. A, it's a very formative time of our lives. Yeah. And as I as I, I'm sure I've mentioned before on this podcast, it's so interesting to just observe the social dynamics of high school because that's the sort of amount of people that we're we're I think biologically uh meant to be around. They they say the ideal amount of people in a Homo sapien tribe is hundred and fifty. Wow. That's what we've evolved to be used to. That's why we can't – it's hard for us to actually understand and and sort of um, empathise with people in a society and civilization as large as ours. And the way to do that is through shared narratives such as mm. nationalism, religion, or any other ideology. You should read Sapiens. Brilliant book if you haven't. Yeah, i got to read that. I've tried it like – Did you spill – it's speaking of sweaty, I missed my mouth and it just poured <laughs> hot tea all over my tit. And um, missed your mouth. So hopefully Steve doesn't add that <laughs> clip in no, when he edits it, this. It. He's going to keep it. We're going to keep that in. <laughs> God, I don't know. I literally just did not even one, not one bit got in my mouth. I just dipped it on my chest. Um, do you so. bite your tongue much? I'm. So, I always do it. I'm so bad at it. Do you have ridges on the side of your tongue from biting them? Sometimes, yeah. They heal pretty quickly because I think I'm just so used. I've got, I've got a callous tongue from biting it <laughs> That so is much. the most disturbing <laughs> image I've so, ever. I'm such an idiot. I always bite my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a you do that when you're stressed? No, I'm just eating and I just bite my tongue. <laughs> 
God. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> so those are my two my physical and mental uh diagnoses for today. CSP is a mental disorder and then a calloused tongue <laughs> from biting in too much. Gosh, that must be something like that must be like a Freudian oral fixation. Like something must have happened to you between the ages of zero and twelve months. Mm, maybe in your I, breastfeeding stage. Or maybe I said something when I was really young and it had dire consequences for me. So you then should have held back. I need to should, bite my yeah. that's my subconscious telling me, Hey, bite your tongue. I don't think that happens when you were young. I feel like that still happens to you a lot where you should have not said something, but you do. Which we're all glad you do. No regrets. Because you say what a lot of people are thinking. I hear in the in the comments. Oh, there you go. So I'm the voice for the incel. Someone commented <laughs> <laughs> on um I think it was our last po- one of our last podcasts being like I'm so glad Neil pulled out like spoke about the difference between um bitch and badass bitch and like how it's like stupid to I don't know what his comment was but. I didn't like it. Oh. I mean, I liked the. I Wait, didn't what like was the, it. What was the criticism? No, he was complimenting you for oh, saying, okay. like, thank you, Neil, for addressing, like, women calling themselves, like, a bad bitch. Yeah. No, it wasn't badass bitch. It was just bad bitch. Oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying I should like bite my subscribe. tongue, but everyone's apparently complimenting me. <laughs> so. Yeah, Maybe true. Not everyone. Maybe. I look at the comment. Maybe every few weeks, I glance at the. I should glance at them more. But <laughs> um, speaking of diagnostic, here's mm-hmm. a good segue for you. Yeah. Did you know up until 1994, the year of my birth, that I'm mine too. You were 94. I thought you were a year older than me. I'm March 94. Ah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, when's your your birthday's coming up soon? Isn't October it? Oh, 29. Okay. <laughs> okay, not really. <laughs> Really close. Yeah, not 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 even in the yeah. Don't worry. Anyway, Do you remember what my going. star sign is? We talk about it a lot. <sighs> Gemini. <gasps> Rude. I was not Gemini. No, that's the one I always talk shit about, and then people oh, message okay. me being like, "Stop talking shit about Gemini." <laughs> what is it? Scorpio. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'll probably forget. All my best friends are Gemini's though, so you guys can um chill out. It's all okay. I love the Gemini's. I love every star signs. Who knows? Yeah. Not me, apparently. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, up until 1994, passive aggressiveness was actually a disorder. A disorder. And it was in the DSM, which That's is the, the DSM, that thing. The Diagnostic and Statistical yeah. Manual of Mental Health Conditions or something. Um, so there you go. Isn't that interesting? What was the treatment for passive aggressiveness? Well, basically, they. F- they, it came about in World War Two because um, people were saying that they weren't being like people in the army weren't listening or following directions appropriately, and then when they were told to do something, they would do it like slower or like intentionally bad and things like that. Like, fine, I'll do the task and then do a really shit job. So then the it badass be- bitch of the army. <laughs> <laughs> so then it became a full diagnosis and I don't think there was a treatment. I, c- I don't know, actually. Mm-hmm. I can't find out what it, what the treatment was for it. But basically they found out that it can no longer be a disorder because it's purely situational. So you're not pass- these people aren't passive aggressive 24-7. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. only under certain situations. So therefore it doesn't fit, like, fit the criteria of being in the DSM. 
Right, so this is just um, a symptom of when someone doesn't want to do something and they feel like they have to or they're told to do it, so then they act very passive-aggressively? That's one thing, but I think that the biggest part, like my biggest interpretation of passive-aggressiveness is is that either they don't want to do something that they feel well, that they're obliged to do, so mm. they do it like shit, um, or the second aspect is like it's a manipulation tactic, like, yeah, that's fine, babe, you don't have to go out. Like, you can go out if you want to. I don't care. And then stonewall oh, them, okay. silent treatment. So, and then he'll be like, fine, I'll stay. And then you get your way, but you never overtly said, like, I just want you to stay. So you kind of manipulated him by showing, like, but everything I'm saying says you can go out, but my whole body is saying, don't you fucking dare or you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. So it's that sort of exasperated response saying, oh, fine, do what you want. Yeah. And so I'm definitely finding that, especially I think with like, you know, this culture, this psychology culture of people being like, oh, if you're aggressive and you overreact and this and that, like you, you know, you have so low self-intelligence, self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Mm. So therefore everyone's being passive aggressive so they don't come across as aggressive aggressive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. True. Because, uh, the consequences for being directly and explicitly aggressive are far greater. Whereas if you're passive aggressive, you can sort of brush it off and say, no, I wasn't being mean. Yeah. I was genuine when I said that or whatever. You can kind of mm. deflect it. So, so in the body language and the yeah, tone, isn't it? Yeah. And then like when you think about like the four horsemen of divorce, which is like a concept created by oh, I haven't heard of that. John Gottman. We've, we've done like a podcast on it before. The four horsemen? <laughs> yeah. What? And there's That's contempt. Yeah. Oh. And we talked about how, like, content Whoops. is the worst one for ruining the biggest predictor of divorce. Like, when okay. you're like, you think you worked hard? Well, today I had to clean the dishes and I had to look after the kids, that kind of thing. Hmm. And then the second one is stonewalling. Um, the third one is criticism. And what's the bloody fourth one? It's going to kill me. It'll come back to me. Basically, all of those things combined are aspects of being passive aggressive. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of say, well... Like you kind of got an ego being like, I need my needs to be met. So that's like content. You often criticize someone like indirectly and then you stonewall them with silence. What's the fourth one? It's going to kill me. I have to figure this out. Otherwise I won't Mm. be able to focus the entire. Do you think passive aggressive is something that people who maybe don't have uh, the ability to even be aggressive employ as a, as a tactic to get their way? Because if you are smaller or if you know mm-hmm. if, if it actually came down to a violent altercation, you would probably lose, then you use emotional aggression mm-hmm. um, such as passive aggressiveness. That's a really – first of all, the fourth one is defensiveness. Yeah, okay. So, but that's a really good point because when I was researching this a, a long time ago, a lot of it came up about how people complain about women being more passive aggressive than males mm. and then the link between that and like kind of societal influences on that and that would usually be that women weren't allowed to be um, outspoken they weren't allowed to be direct they had mm. to be polite and feminine and that's something that it's just become so habitual and that you know we've learned from our mothers we learned that from their mothers that it's almost passed through the generation even though times have changed it's something that we're still very much um kind of tend to lean towards more than being aggressive because otherwise we immediately get labeled as psychos or crazy mm. and it's and it's a more subtle way of getting our needs met so it is really interesting about how kind of society had in some ways influenced or 
forced us to take this approach to get somewhere with someone. But now it's we're both male and female, I think, do it equally to in today's age. Um, and it's just become this huge, huge problem because people can deny saying anything. They can. It's almost like gaslighting as well. Being yeah. like, well, I never, I never told you. I said you could go go out. Yeah, exactly. When the person saying that they could go out was like, fine, go out, do what you want. Yeah. (laughs) And so technically they did say they can go out. Yeah. Hmm. Super interesting. So. um, Do you think it is a, I mean, okay, so it's not a disorder because it's situational. There's clearly some underlying factors at play there. If someone's being excessively passive aggressive, do you think that some people are just more passive aggressive than others? Yeah, and I think it's people that have would in their childhood and their upbringing they wouldn't have been able to get their needs needs met by speaking out to their mm. parents. Say, like some children, when their mum or or father or caregiver ignored them, they either become more fussy and more loud and more screaming, crying, like crying, being like, "Meet my needs, meet my needs." Whereas the other half of kids in that situation learn that when I am reaching out for attention or trying to get my needs met, it's it's only going to be met with punishment. Therefore, I have to be quiet. I have to do it strategically. Like I'll do it when this person's in a good mood, those kind of things. So when you carry that into adulthood, you have one half of the the children with these upbringing as adults will be like um, they overreact. They get overwhelmed really fast. They can be quite aggressive and um, like really, really forward, oversharing, those kind of things. And then the other half are like, I'm going to, if I want something, I can't just ask him outright or her outright because she's going to kick off and think I'm I'm like psycho or think I'm just like controlling if I say I'm uncomfortable with this. So I'm going to frame it in this way so that yeah. they will do it. But it's not even a planned process. It's such a second nature and so natural for people to be passive aggressive. Yeah, there are definitely family members that I've dealt with who are very passive aggressive and it's almost in some ways it's more frustrating because at least with someone who's uh just explicitly aggressive yeah assuming it's not violent you just yeah you you know at least what you're dealing with there's no um there's no riddle to solve yeah whereas with passive aggressiveness with sometimes you do it's frustrating because you don't know how to react you don't know whether to then deal with that by being direct mm-hmm. and being assertive towards their passive aggressiveness mm-hmm. or to ignore it. It's a, what what would you recommend if you have a family member or a spouse that is passive aggressive? Uh, what strategies can you employ to, to deal with that? Well, the petty non-therapeutic side of me responds to passive aggressiveness where if someone's like, fine, you can go out, I don't care. I go out. And then if they get more upset about it later, I'll be like, I took you for your word. But don't you then have a bad time when you're out? Because if someone said that to me, fine, do what you want. I'd be like, oh, God. Like, all in my no. head, like, Fuck this fucking idiot. <laughs> Whereas I can't detach from that then. Yeah, that's true. I can detach a bit too easily, I think, sometimes. So uh, I would be, I'm I'm all about, um, if you're not going to learn the lesson, I'll teach you the lesson and call you on the, on your bluff. But that's okay. a very non-therapeutic approach. If I was trying to be very rational and if it was like a romantic partner and something I genuinely like cared about, I would literally just say, 
I can't read your mind and I need you to communicate with me what it is you want. And I notice passive aggressiveness because you say this, but look at your body right now. Like your arms are crossed. You won't look at me. You canceled out dinner plans tonight. Like all of these signs show to me that you are in fact upset. Mm. So I need you to communicate that to me. Otherwise, like in, in essence, those two approaches, even though the first one is very petty, they're kind of the same approach in the sense that they're calling someone out and being like, it's it's your responsibility to communicate your feelings rather than my, it's not my responsibility to read what you're going through. And I think that's the biggest yeah. thing that happens in relationships. I see it all the time, even in my friends' groups, when when they're having fights with their boyfriends and they're like, I'm so sick of telling him how to resolve this, telling them how to make me feel better. I want him to know this. I just want him to do it, but yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, but he's, it's not up to him to trial, trial and error every single possible approach. You can tell him, I just want a hug or I just want some space. Like it's not his responsibility to assume every single avenue that can of, of action to what can make you feel better right now. It's up to yourself to be able to be like, okay, I know I'm upset and I know I want him to resolve this, but I just got to put my emotions aside and ask for what I want. It's kind of like you have to put your ego aside almost. Um, and also you have to put aside that part of yourself that wants to prove it because really we are always wanting to prove this behavior. So a lot of the time our natural passive aggressive response will be like, I'm just going to sit back he's pissed me off now i'm gonna see what he does i'm gonna see how he like how long does it take him to tell me like there's actually a trend at the moment on um on tiktok and i've seen girls do it everywhere usually teenagers but it's like how many days since or how many times in the last seven days that my boyfriend has called me beautiful monday zero tuesday zero wednesday one Thursday, zero, Friday, zero, that kind of thing. I thought that was possessive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, he might not be, he might not know that you want to be called beautiful or he might be calling you pretty, but then you're upset because he's not calling beautiful or whatever. It's up to you to say, Mm. I I actually really value like words of affirmation. I really value being communicated this like, because I'm I'm like that as well, where it's like someone could smother me with physical attention 24 hours a day. And I would still think to like, if I, the immature brain of mine would think he doesn't love me because he hasn't said it or he hasn't said to me in the last day, I love you or whatever. That's how I perceive love because I need it to be verbalized to me. So that's like that. It's my responsibility then to communicate that. Yeah. And if you're acting passively aggressively, that's probably the least effective way to then get what you want. Yeah. Because then if you want someone to call you beautiful and you're acting passively aggressively hoping that they realize that's what you want yeah they're not going to want to call you beautiful exactly (laughs) yeah and then and then because of that like you might say to them a passive aggressive aggressive approach would be like in that scenario like well clearly you just don't love me and then they're like of course i love you and then you're like well you're just saying that now that's triggering me just hearing (laughs) (laughs) have you experienced this yes (laughs) Yeah, more so in a not in a romantic relationship that much in a um, in a family situation, and it's just ugh. it makes it makes the person receiving the passive aggress- ag- aggressive behavior to just act explicitly aggressive because you get fed up. You're like, can you shut up and just yes, tell me? Yes, like, and then you look like the bad acting. person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Mm, maybe um, people who are more conflict avoidant are more likely to employ passive aggressive tactics. They're not 
Yeah. It's not that they they lack confidence, but they um, are just more adept at subversive and mm. uh, cunning ways of getting their way rather yeah. than just overt, explicit ways. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I think it's a big part as well, the non-confrontational behaviour. It's And it's also like a self-preservation. Like I'm not going to admit that I'm irrationally jealous or I'm irrationally upset that my partner is going out to get a beer with a girl or something. So I'm just going to say instead, of course you can go really passive aggressively and then punish him for going because Mm. I don't want to stay. I'm jealous that you're seeing your childhood friend of 30 years kind of thing. Um, So that's, I think, a really common approach that people take. They're just like, well, I'm going to protect myself from feeling irrational and I'm going to protect myself from admitting, you know, that I'm actually feeling this way because I don't want to admit it or I don't want to give them that satisfaction to make it a me thing. I want to make it a they're in trouble thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a subversive way to try and get your needs met because for whatever reason, there's uh, there's more risk involved in a more direct way of asking for those needs. And that could be because certain groups in society have been socialized to feel smaller and less significant, to feel like they have less power, or it just could be a personality trait. Some people aren't as direct and um, precise. Yeah. And want they. it's not that they even want a specific thing. They want that other person to do that without them having to say it. Yes, because exactly. Because when they say, oh, I want you to say this to me, that ruins the magic, not the magic of it, but it maybe it would it make them lose respect for that person because they feel, oh, you just don't have the emotional intelligence I do because I have to spell this out for you. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean anything now. Yeah. Yep, exactly. People are different. Yeah. As simple as that sounds, the, the more people that can finally realize this, the better we'll be because yes. – just because you think it's obvious that uh, someone who's in love with someone else would want a particular compliment or want mm-hmm. some sort of routine to be fulfilled, that doesn't mean the other person thinks that exact same way. Exactly. It's as simple as that. You, you you have to be able to articulate what you think is appropriate and normal and then maybe make some sacrifices there in order to have some semblance of a compromise there in um whether it is a romantic relationship or even just a professional relationship yeah exactly i can't work with people that are like that yeah that's oh it's the most frustrating thing it's way more common in a professional relationship more than anything because people don't want to come across as irrational or um come across as unprofessional so Mm. they're like okay well if you're gonna make me do this bitch task i'm gonna literally do it the worst and slowest way possible and be so ineffective at it yeah just to prove to you it wasn't worth asking me or making me do it there's always some sort of ego involved with any it is passive aggressive behavior i mean i'm not look i've I've done it trying to think of the last time i would have been passive aggressive nothing's coming to mind but there's definitely times where i've dealt with managers or uh, had to do tasks. Sometimes if you get uh, sponsored content or if a, if a brand says, can you do it this way or can they'll write a script for you and it's always just the cringiest <laughs> thing. <laughs> and so I, I'll, I'll do the video or the task in a very passive-aggressive way. Yeah. Which is not actually, that's not 
a good thing to do. If they're paying mm. you, you should, you should, you know, do it to the best of your ability. I love that people in the army active acted passive aggressively. I know. That would have been funny. Like yeah. soldier, get in line. <laughs> Fine, I'll get in line. <laughs> and then spend 10 minutes walking into yeah. the line or going right to the end of the line. Like, Are you happy now, yeah. Captain? <laughs> or like... The sassy bad bitch of the army. There's actually an entire subreddit on this, basically, and it's called malicious compliance, where it's like, you wanted me to do this? Fine. And then they'd make it the most possible petty and difficult thing for that person who asked them of something. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I do recommend. Oh, I know you don't fine. like Reddit. I'll but... put the dishes away and then you make as much noise as That's you can. That's my mum, yeah, <laughs> literally. Oh, we all have a family member like uh, that. She always throws the dishes so – well, actually, I think she's just aggressive-aggressive because we always know she's mad on how based on how loud the dishes clink when she's washing it. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Everyone has that one thing that yeah. you can tell when, when a family member is mad. Yeah. I could tell when my dad walked down the stairs really like, yeah, just the stomped steps, down the stairs yeah. and, you know, oh, someone's going to get yelled at. <laughs> uh, Isn't that funny? Mad. What? Yeah, she'd, she'd sometimes be passive aggressive. Yeah, my dad was, which I guess feels the stereotype, but my dad was more likely to be just, he'll just yell at you and tell you exactly what you did wrong. Yeah. Whereas my mom will often... When she was upset, she would she'd be more likely to be passive aggressive. There were also definitely times when she was directly aggressive, and that was scary because it didn't yeah. happen very often. Yeah. So once a year, oh my god, I remember as a kid that would be terrifying. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, she's more likely to be passive aggressive. Whereas my sister's not really like that. She will just she was never passive aggressive. As far as I can remember, she'd just say it if she was pissed off or she'd just yell at you or whatever. Yeah. So what do you think you are if you had to feel like go into aggressive, passive-aggressive or like assertive? I, I, as I've gotten older, I think I'd, I'd, well, I'd try to be assertive. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's ever a situation where I feel like I don't have power or I feel like I could actually be unsafe if I am assertive or mm. aggressive. Maybe I would be passive-aggressive or I'd try to just avoid the situation what about you? What do you think? I'm 100%. Every time I do a personality quiz, I'm like, it always comes back with 99 or 100% assertive. Well, it's yeah, always okay. my approach. Like I'm very well-practiced and just being like, this is what I want. Can you meet that need or not? No. Yeah. Okay. Fair. That's that's not your fault. See you later. <laughs> that's good. Summarized. I think that's healthier because I'd rather feel if someone is yelling at me and being aggressive and uh, displaying their anger, I would rather feel that short-term uh, frustration or, you know, sense of responsibility than have to deal with this enduring emotional riddle where yeah. I don't know why they're upset. I don't know what they want. Yeah. That just makes me – that triggers me, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely prefer people who are just – you don't have to be angry. In fact, that can be – an issue but if you are just assertive and direct and it's a skill you can work on some people are just socialized in a way that uh, they subconsciously feel like they could be threatened if they ask directly for their needs to be met or if they are assertive but there are ways to overcome that and mm -hmm. you don't even necessarily have to see a therapist you just have to work on 
a lot of the practices we always talk about. Yeah. Just ways to increase your self-worth and maybe analyze some of your uh, childhood and formative years and, and then figure out just, just in a professional environment, um, make a note to, to be more assertive and That's to be it. a bit more direct. And you can again, you can always go too far the other way and then you have to deal with people that are just clearly overcompensating. Yeah, you don't want to step into ego. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the biggest piece of advice I can give is if you don't want to unpack like your whole childhood and things, that's fine. But at least own the emotions that are present for you. That's the one of the most, probably the best thing I ever learned was that every emotion I have is caused by me. Um, So if, if my boyfriend cheated on me and I'm angry or I'm sad, that emotion is still caused by me it's not caused by him it's caused by me in response to his action but it's still my emotion so I think that when you realize okay when I'm feeling jealous or I'm feeling aggressive or sad or things like that those are my emotions and only I can control them only I can influence what's going to make me jealous and things like that and to feel any emotion if you allow yourself to just sit in it truly sometimes you know they say it only should last two to three minutes in any emotion if you just purely feel it and then what happens afterwards like when we're angry we stay angry for like a couple minutes and then our ego pushes us to keep us angry because it serves us more and it's like we're right like fuck this person like Mm. we're better than them those kind of things so our ego holds us into that that emotion so just learning more about your own emotions i think is a good step and the other thing is definitely that's difficult is coming from a relationship where someone was passive aggressive previously and then going into a new relationship can be a really jarring experience. Like for, for my boyfriend, I don't really know much about his previous relationship, but, and he is a bit like, um, like you and he's slightly, he's secure, slight anxious attachment kind of. And if I'm just like looking out the window or like just sitting there quietly He's like, what's what? What's wrong? Like, are you okay? Like, have I upset you kind of thing? Like, he always asks me and I'm like, no, like, don't worry, you'll know. Mm. Like, if I'm upset, you will know, I'll tell you. But he still always asks me, like, what's what? What's wrong? Have I done anything? And I'm like, no, you, you haven't. Like, yeah, so maybe he would have been yeah. through a relationship with someone who was passive aggressive or maybe yeah. that, that's something to be said about how he was brought up or even just his his own um don't want to <laughs> sorry let's just psychoanalyze entire, my boyfriend yeah, podcast just psychoanalyze <laughs> from the like five <laughs> events you've you've talked to me about yeah i can i think i can uh, create an entire psychological profile of this guy <laughs> literally well i think that part of it as well is his own personality because adrian is so like conflict avoidant that he may perceive, he might think, well, I, if I was upset with someone, I won't bring it up. Therefore, if she's upset with me, she won't bring it up. Like he makes those assumptions. Everyone relates someone else's experience to their to own. Themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, it's hard not to. Uh, yeah. It's very natural. Mm. Exactly. Refer back to our Meaningful Conversations podcast on that one. Mm. We talk about don't, don't ref- reflect back onto your own experiences immediately mm. every single time. How do you feel when you're dealing with passive aggressive people? Have you have you is there anyone in your life, maybe a colleague or a, or a family member that is notably passive aggressive and just we might pause here for one second just because the the sun we've got this west facing apartment the sun's hitting us hard. So, question was is there anyone in your life 
um, maybe at work or a friend or a family member who is notably passive aggressive? Probably lots, but (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people in my life are. But, you know, that being said, friend relationship, no. Um, Friend, well, I don't know my relationship. We, We haven't really had many disagreements yet, so... Soon to be found out, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I would... What, it's been a year, hasn't it? Yeah. Wow. And... Um, Not a single fight. Yeah, it was funny because I was, Damn. I was in a group chat um, like two days ago with my girlfriends and... Girlfriends. <laughs> and we were talking about... One of them talked about how she was... She had this huge fight with her partner the night before and they were screaming at each other and they were like... Um, anyway, long... What were they fighting about? <sighs> So they've just bought a place. And, How long have they been dating? Uh, like uh, a couple of years. Oh, okay. And they've they've bought a place and they haven't yet moved into it. And long story, she'll hate me if I talk about it. So it'll just be vague. But she, he wanted to slightly renovate it so that he could increase the his gaming um, setup. Video gaming. Yeah. And so he cut into the walls and did all this wiring. And I don't know. Anyway, long story short, the whole thing got fucked up. And now they have to pay thousands of dollars. And um, it looked hideous. And she was so upset. (laughs) (laughs) Understandably. Was he the one trying to fix it? Yes, and he was he like, a, I'll do it myself. Is he a traitor or anything? Or? No. No, okay, he just did it. Right. So, fair enough, I'd get pretty mad too. He tried to fix it all um, and I think he managed to do the wiring but it was the fixing and the patching that kind of fucked it up. And it's not just like a small patch, it's like ceiling to ground in multiple rooms. Uh, so he wanted to add PowerPoints. Multiple rooms. Yeah. How much gaming is he doing? I don't know. I honestly don't understand. Um, so she was really angry, Mm. um, really upset. And then the girls kind of got on like this whole like motion and was like, oh, and then I had a fight and my, I had a fight as well with my boyfriend last night. Like we were fighting about this and we were yelling so much. The police came to do a welfare check and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Well, what were they for? I asked her and she was like, I can't remember. It wasn't even a big deal. We're just so loud. They're aggressive, aggressive, but they never fight about like some anything. They'll be like, no, like the way you spell spaghetti is S-P-A-G-H-E-T-D-I. And he's like, no, like all those kind of like. And they had to explain silly, that to the police. Yeah, those like silly little petty arguments that weren't actually an argument, but they were just yelling. Like does lasagna end in an A or an E kind of thing? Um so, so then what happens when they have an actual fight? I don't know. <laughs> it kind of goes off the rails a little bit, yeah. Um, Some people do say it's healthier to have uh, fights now and again because it can let out the tension, and, the and, tension. and it shows that people are more likely to be assertive and, and uh, confident and speak their mind properly. Yep. Literally. Um, so anyway, we're in, we're all in this group chat. Everyone was talking about the recent arguments they'd had with their boyfriend. And I was like, fuck, I felt like such a dickhead because that morning I'd written in my journal <laughs> that I was upset with Adrian because he hadn't done the dishes in three days. Um, and I was like, this is my first time feeling upset with Adrian <laughs> in our relationship and planning how I'll address it with him. And I sent them the photo of it and they were like, shut the fuck up, Eliza. <laughs> Anyway, I did address it and um, 
Then I showed him what I wrote, and he, he thought it was funny. But yeah, so, in the group chat. Yeah. <sighs> You're not supposed to show the. I only showed what the boys I know, or the girls I sh- group chat to the I partner. showed the, him this the photo I sent to the girls of what oh, I'd okay, written in my okay. journal about being upset about dishes. <laughs> yeah, you can't. No, that's sacred. The girls or the boys group chat. No, well, um, that's our group chat's always shared with. Our, I feel like our partners live off like thrive off our drama, like Adrian, because he's introverted. He's like, yeah. I go to work and he, he's a tradie. And he's like, I literally tell the boys like your drama because <laughs> it's so like scandalous. And then... Um, Would not expect that as a, <laughs> as a job site banter. <laughs> I know. And then um, my... Yeah, my girlfriend's drama. Yeah, exactly. And then this morning I sent a photo of um, Adrian had done a lovely little... <laughs> little That's what landscapers talk about. The, my God, here's my the drama. Sparkies in there. Yeah, literally. The plumbers, they're just like, yeah, the footy. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, landscape is a different breed. Bless them. Um, yeah, what is the oh, – this is a completely different point, but what is yeah. the stereotype of each of the tradies? Because I'm sure they have some, you know, in the same way the Army thinks the Navy are this and the Navy thinks the Air Force are that. I'd like to know if you are a tradie, what is is the stereotype of um, each of the other trades? I would like to know that as well because, well, Adrian works with um, all different, like they hire laborers, they hire builders, they all work like on one project together. So there's like the landscapers and they've got the builders and they've got the roofers and things like that. And he's always got like funny stories about them, how like all the builders that they work with, they're all these Islander boys and they're super hilarious, super funny, like um, really outgoing. Mm. And then all the roofers are, um, they're all Asian and I asked, really? yeah, and I asked, what is it like? Is there a reason why? And he was like, because um, he was like, I don't know if this is like racist to say, because I don't think it is, but they actually can squat for much longer, like when they're placing um, bricks without finding it uncomfortable. Whereas <laughs> when, Damn, because that's the reason, Adrian also lays bricks on the ground, like pavements and things like that. But everyone in his team complains, being like, oh, my fucking back, like this kind of thing. But they don't like complain, they just like find it more comfortable and things like that. So that's. That was his interpretation. I wow. don't know. Um, and then landscapers, I feel like the reason why they're kind of like easygoing and a little bit more sensitive, they work with plants. And working with plants exactly. is like a known thing for being good for your mental health yeah. and grounding and things like that. So I feel like that's why they're all just like sweet. Maybe that's why plumbers them, are always pissed off. Because <laughs> they're, they're just dealing they're with they're shit. They're literally dealing with piss. They're so. elbows deep and shit. Yeah. that's a, they, they should get paid the most. They do, don't they? Yeah, well, they should. <laughs> Because that's a um, yeah yeah good on them. But if you want to get into trade, I hear the highest paying trade is boat mechanics. So car mechanics get paid really low, but boat mechanics is so niche that you get paid like crazy amounts. Because people who own boats are super rich, right? Exactly. And you only need to do like a three month TAFE course. So really, yeah. If you want to make some cash, it's that easy. Yeah, Adrian knows someone, and he get he makes like well into six figures and he studied for like not even six months and he gets sent up to fiji to fix a boat he gets sent to the gold coast and then that all of that is paid for crazy for a day's work wow. and then he gets paid to transport boats like can you bring my boat from sydney to port macquarie those kind of things so he gets to drive the fancy boats and stuff yeah there you go get into i don't it. even know 
I didn't know it was a thing I mean, either. I'm, I'm sh- I, that would have logically made sense that there's someone out there who repairs boats, but yeah, there you go. You want to get paid, become a boat mechanic. Exactly. Isn't that crazy? There's no banter on the job site then, though. Yeah, I think you work you. alone. Yeah. You have, like, a boss and then you. Although some people, like, would, would like. I have a friend and he's, um, he works on, I don't know what he does, but he works in lo- on loading docks. Wait, like shipping docks. And <laughs> <laughs> so he works in shipping docks and it's something to do with the engineering of it. I don't really know, but he's like, I find my job really boring. I want to change because there's no drama, like nothing scandalous happens. There's no workplace scandals. It's, it's just me. And Adrian's like, that's my dream, just to sit, not have anyone talk to me or look at me, like get in, do my job. And I'm like, no, I, I thrive off like that drama and stuff as well. Like I've taken easier jobs previously and hated I was so bored like I need to be challenged every single day I need to be like oh this is fucked like and then wait 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 satisfied wait what was the last bit there that like I've taken jobs that are way more easier like I guess like mentoring youth and things like that Uh uh-huh and I did it for like a year every like every two years when I burn out I take a job like that for like six months or a year so that just kind of easy do you have a social work degree no, I okay. have a, it's counseling behavioral science. Yeah, okay. Which you can get any social work job with that. Okay. Um, right. And a few others, but not social work but specifically. You're, just a, you're the teen whisperer. Yes. <laughs> I know. Send your teenagers to me. I'll sort them out. Oh, okay. you're a female. Because <laughs> if a man was like, yeah, I'm the teen whisperer, wouldn't sound the same Send would your it? teenage daughters to me. I'll whisper to them. <laughs> I'll help them open up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, but I uh, can't even remember what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, passive. Um, okay, so. Oh, yeah, I don't know how we got We We went on this. a tangent there. Just don't be passive aggressive. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Just don't. Don't do it. Just challenge yourself and if you notice someone else is passive aggressive, just come out and say it as well. Like I think that's well, what I was saying is your question to me was are there people in your life that are passive aggressive? Yes. And I said, of course there are lots, but I am the type of person whereas and you can frame it in a really like nurturing and caring way, but I'll always just be like, oh, you don't seem like you're too happy with what you said or you kind of seem a bit doubtful. Like I'll just assume an emotion mm. and then get them to explain it to me. So I'm not going to be like, are you sure it's okay? Like you don't seem like you're kind of like, I feel like you're not happy. I'll just be like, well, why are you sitting like this then? Or why are you not making me eye contact? So mm. that to me shows me upset. I'll just say that to everyone, even people at work. I'll tell them to do something and I can tell they're not happy with it. And they'll be like, okay. And I'll be like, well, like this is your opportunity to tell me like what your thoughts are and your opinions, like share them with me kind of mm. thing. So it is like, you know, the very first like primitive moment in my brain is instantly to be annoyed, but you kind of have to rationalize that and be like, okay, if I want to be productive, sometimes I have to be take on a, a really mature approach. And, you know, there's always, there's always going to be like a balance between your, your ego and your humble self, like my ego self sometimes says, why do I have to fucking be the consistent and calm person in every situation? Why do I have to calm everyone else down and sort out every issue? Like, why do I have to be everyone's counselor? It's exhausting. But that's something that I'll feel for like not even 10 seconds before I'm like, well, it's not going to be productive to be the other way. You sound like a good boss. Thanks. (laughs) 
I'd have to work for you though. And then yeah, Neil, I'll put you to work. We'll see. Sounded kind of gross when I said it <laughs> like that. Not how I intended. No, then I will be passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah, put me. All right. What do you want me to do? I'll do this report. Here's your report. <laughs> do it. What do you want me to do now? Work till ten, probably. <laughs> I've already scheduled that. Yeah. Well, I feel like sometimes that I might be passive aggressive without in those situations. Like when I think about. Basically, I would I struggle working for other people, but I like being the boss or, or having other people work with me. So maybe that's a passive aggressive thing that I haven't even kind of come to terms with. Yeah, I think that's every. I, I think everyone wants to be the boss. I know, no, you'd be surprised when they open in my, um, in my workplace that a person that would manage. Um, across multiple teams, they had a few roles um, for people that would manage like the therapy, therapists and caseworkers, psychologists, things like that. Mm-hmm. And no one wanted to apply for them because they were like, it's too much work. Like, I just want to get in, work with the clients, keep it like that. Um, I don't want to have to overlook everything and make because, well, I okay, guess it depends enough. on the yeah, place. Because in my field, I mm-hmm. hold the legal responsibility. So if someone in my team makes a decision, it comes down to me. Um, and people don't want to hold that. So if one of one of five people yeah. f- or ten people fuck up, then that's actually under my direction. So that kind of it might be different mm. for someone that's in like media or or something like that, where they're like, no, I want to progress so that I can make more money and put my skills to use. So it's, uh, I guess it depends. I mean, generally with more responsibility, you are, will be working more hours, but not necessarily. Actually, in fact, no. I know a lot of people in positions of professional power that actually. Do the least amount of yeah hours. That's the dream, isn't it? That is the dream. That's the goal. That is the yeah. And that's an achievable dream. Like that's not what for you every, should. Well, for some, not for everyone. By yeah, nature, by little. being in that position, that only a few people can actually be in positions yeah. like that. Exactly. In fact, I've heard sometimes CEOs and really big uh, professional people actually ha- hardly work. Yeah. Because they they need to be mentally focused to make the right decisions and they can't be overworked so they go in for a couple of hours a day and then they have a lot of free time and they they make all the executive decisions and then they delegate all the tasks to other people that, that, isn't that's it crazy dream. and you think that by having that experience that they would then be like okay i can see that this is what makes me productive perhaps i should implement these things for my team to make them productive that makes sense we used to have a zen room yeah but someone has to do the but got removed there's probably you know an economies of scale to yeah well, i sound like a consultant here but uh you can probably improve the productivity of a given employee for each hour that they work so they're you know 20 percent more productive for four hours if they're given all these added benefits and the workload is, yes. is lowered but Overall, you're still getting more productivity out of them by working them for 10 hours, even if that work is at yeah 70% capacity. So but then in you... this, you know, uh, corporate view of human capital, you would then employ them to be to work longer hours rather than to work fewer, more productive hours because it just depends on how much more productive those fewer hours are. You'd have to do all the equations. I'm sure there's some um, consultant or I don't know what job that would. That's a cool job. To do, I think, but I, actuary maybe in no actuarial studies that sort of does that. I think I have no idea, but I also think there's so many factors. Like 
in my industry, the turnover rate for a role like mine was is four months. Mm. So that's pretty fucking crazy when you think about it. People that in social work industries often will only stay in a role for four months before they're too burnt out, so they move. So I would think to the CEO, like, mate, you should be thinking. Like they did in my workplace, they tried to implement things like once they had for a couple of weeks, a masseuse would come in, so people could book in ten minutes with the masseuse, and it wasn't one where you lay down, take your shirt off, you like sit against a chair, and she does it kind of thing. Um, and we used to have a Zen room, which was like a meditation room mm. with a massage chair and salt lamps and things like that i've really been pushing for letting dogs in the office but i haven't won that <laughs> one yet um, but just those little things and one time they our workplace said you need to take off all your like decorations from your desk mine in particular because i have like my desk is crazy like i've it's they're quite large our desk and yeah. i've got photos and crystals and dream catchers <laughs> and all, why do you need to take the decorations off? because they were like Dis- well what, it's, it's inappropriate and i'm like what's inappropriate like my photos are of my dog there's like two i've got crystals a dream catcher. Do you think like, some consultant came in and was like, mm, to increase the productivity of your workers, you need to get rid of their yeah. their personal so sentimental they, belongings? Exactly. They made it a rule. So then I responded and I literally was <laughs> so petty. I guess this is passive aggressive. Yeah, I don't know. Go. Oh, no, I think it's assertive. I would be passive aggressive too if someone was like, yeah. get rid of the photo of your dog. Literally. So I put together like a Fuck fucking 16-page report with um, a summary of studies that show that, in fact, personalized work desks increase productivity. It makes people feel calmer, happier, like more satisfied, increased job satisfaction. I was like, you can't rebuke this. So I'm going to keep myself on my desk. It's what consultants do, isn't it? I don't know, but everyone, half the people in the corporate world are consultants. Yeah. Isn't that what they do? They just talk to the higher ups and say, "Mm, this is how you can make your workplace more efficient. Yeah, we have Fire a, a few people here and then get rid of this and then employ this strategy. We have a leadership and then they consultant, get, which is they weird. They get like 40 grand or something. Yeah, and we pay them lots of money. And she literally just comes in and talks about like, what's your leadership style? Like, how do you manage <laughs> people and things like that? <laughs> Fuck me. And how can we make our team more effective? And how can we influence them to do more work? Those kind of things. And it's really like a weird, I'm like, this is like an ethical dilemma. Well, there must be something to it because I'm sure the people who run a lot of these companies have quite intelligent so they wouldn't just be employing these consultants willy-nilly i'm sure there has to be some value oh yeah to these um and then when you're dealing with major corporations big banks and things uh it it would make a huge difference if everyone is 10 percent more productive Mm -hmm. but uh, maybe that's just the comedian in me have you ever worked like a nine to five job you should do it just out of like curiosity for like three months. When I film, sometimes when you do um, TV filming, you do right. Well, oh, you do yeah. longer than that. You have to get there. Oh, you have to get there at like six, and you end at six. Oh shit! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and then if you're doing an emotional scene, it's like, all right, cry. That okay, is quite cut, emotionally. Cry intensive. again. Oh wow! Yeah. Can you cry now? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a com- I'm a com- comedic actor. I only had to cry once in a short film. That's one of my short films, actually. Um, look up Purification. Very relevant. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, let those tears out. Was it hard? Funnily enough, we were in such a arduous circumstance. It was, it was mid-June in 2016, and it was the coldest day of the year. We were out in the Southern Highlands, 
and it was below zero. And then we all had to wear these rags because we were these peasants. Oh, okay. And it was freezing. We had no nothing on our feet. And, you know, this is out in the bush. And I don't have those. I've got a callous tongue. I've got soft little city feet that can't handle all those rocks, you know. <laughs> You're already crying. <laughs> Just being there. No, actually, no, that made it sound like that made me cry. No, that didn't make me cry. <laughs> We also, it was my grand idea to camp out the night before. And that was the night where what? it was sub What? To get into character or something? Like why? No, because it was cheap. Because oh, <laughs> you didn't have to pay for it. Everyone must have hated motel. you. <laughs> no, I gave people the option. If you want to stay in a motel, you can. But for camaraderie, that was my consultancy. Hey, team bonding. Let's camp together. Oh, God. And it was really fun, actually. We had we had the campfire going and there was this one guy who was really outdoorsy. And thank God. Like, I know some basic stuff, but that guy... In the morning as well, he was out and and he found this funnel web near one of the tents and was like, "Hey guys, just so you know, there's a funnel web." He, he was just he, was he knew what it. he was doing. Yeah, and thank God because none of us we were all these filmmakers that, that, that <laughs> have never gone to the bush before. Oh my God. Um, and then it got it was fine up until about ten eleven, and then we went to bed, um, and then it got really cold, like. <laughs> Really, I was in two sleeping bags and oh. and had thermals on, and everyone we couldn't sleep properly. We we're all shivering. Oh my god! And um, I woke up. There's frost on the front of the tent, wow. and I just I just just like shivered into the car and <laughs> and put the heater on. But my windscreen wipers wouldn't move because there was that much frost on the on the wow. front of the car. Um, and eventually, you know, sun came out and we we were all right. But it worked because we were supposed to be these um these indigent peasants. Mm. Um, so it worked, but through the just lack of sleep and the frustration and the cold, that definitely helped me cry. Wow, that's good. Next time you should just get someone on to silk. say cancel comedians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll make me cry. When you've got to do like a speech or like be like a really aggressive person. Yeah, 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 that'll yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just show me any of the like woke TikTok comment and then I'll yeah. then I'll get pretty angry. <laughs> okay. Noted. Yeah, but that was um that was a lot of fun, actually, filming that. Yeah, look up Purification. It's it's a sketch about – no, it's a short film about uh, – it's set in – actually, it's set in 2025 or something. Because <laughs> we made it in – I wrote it in 2015 and I was like, yeah, 10 years in the future. So it's not that far away and it's – we really focused on the visuals of this one. So we wanted to, we wanted to try to find an abandoned town in Australia, which is very oh, hard considering yeah. how – knew the well the british settlement mm. in this country is and then uh we did find one called um and shout out to the the go to if you live in the southern highlands even if you live in sydney go and visit joe Adja. it's beautiful there's a whiskey distillery there now brilliant whiskey you, you can even buy that? their whiskey i think they sell the whiskey in in bottle shops now so look up go um look just buy joe Adja. uh Whiskey or go to Joadja, beautiful place. And so there was a mining town there <clears throat> in the turn of the 20th century. Um, and there was a tram from Mittagong to just this town. Wow. And this town's maybe a 30-minute drive from, from Mittagong. Mittagong's a small town in the Southern Highlands. Mm. Beautiful, very picturesque, very affluent. A lot of rich boomers go and live there. I would if I could afford it. Um but yeah, really beautiful place. And so we found this and then first he didn't want us to film there because he was worried about the insurance. And then 
my friend Tim, who, who's the director, he's very persuasive. I panicked when he sent that email. And I was like, oh, are you sure? We, could, we really want to film. And then Tim just sent this really calm email back to him and he said, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, that's um, nice. Yeah, that was one of the. That was probably some of the most fun few days of my life. That was so wow. good. We we camped down, and the night after that, after we had, well, we had hardly slept. We were just a wreck. We I've never slept so well in my life. <laughs> that yeah. night after that, yeah, you've been out all day, and you've hardly slept the night before. Mm. Finally, in a nice warm motel, and it was a it was a two star motel. But I was so thankful Aww. because um, we had yeah camped out in whatever it was sub zero temperatures, something ridiculous. You should um you should make another one. <laughs> we did in 2019. We made another one in that same location just because we loved the location so much. Oh, wow. Didn't have the same feel to it. We didn't camp, uh, but it was quite a lot of fun. Um, Oh, it was lovely. Like, they all surprised me with a cake because it was my birthday. It was Aww. really cute. Uh, so if you look up purification. Oh, and by the way, the, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. The the, the plot was uh, so there's these peasants and then there's this sort of authoritarian guard coming through these um, these dilapidated houses. And the, the set was perfect. There they actually were these miners in the early 1900s that were living wow. in such tiny houses. Yeah. They ha- they would have had a family. Oh, either they lived there individually or they would have had a family. But, I mean, really, like, the, 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 not, I can't see because most people would just be listening to this. But anyway, look, very, very small, the size of a bathroom. Um, and so then these, um, this kind of authoritarian guard walks past and then, uh, gives these peasants some breadcrumbs when they look through this iPad oh. and then they say, yeah, this person's okay, gives them breadcrumbs, oh, walks wow. to the next one, just <gasps> shakes her head and then she gets dragged into the house and you just hear a gunshot and then oh, they come sh- out with blood on their face and then That's comes heavy. to my my little shack and then um, looks through and what they're looking through is your old tweets Oh and my so then they God. found an old tweet of me making a race joke about Mexicans and the two guards chuckle but then the girl says, nah, kill him. And then wow. yeah, I'm taken into the little shack and shot dead. And so that's why. That's so relevant. Yeah. It's, it's, Shit. All those films I made four or five years ago, everyone keeps saying that. Ooh, so relevant now. What? Everyone keeps saying do more. And I'm like, look, I've said everything I wanted to say. Do more. You could be psychic. Well... I did a thing where Trump won before he won. Oh shit! And if you look up um, the privilege game, and maybe I am, maybe I'm a psycho. Well, my big prediction that I don't think is going to come true now was Kanye West will be the president. <laughs> well, look, it still could happen, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I still fully commit to that. What's now, your prediction for yourself this year? This year, well, there's not much left. Um, <laughs> okay, in the next, within the next two years, I want to. Well. In terms of what my personal life or career, both either. By the way, if you are watching the the video version of this, the sun has gone in between clouds, and I didn't have the video settings on auto because I'm clearly lacking, not a cameraman. So Eliza has gone from very bright to very dark. In, in, but bright on the okay. inside. <laughs> yes, always very bright on the inside. Thank you. Um, this year, what I really want to do, oh, stupid lockdown hasn't helped things, but what I really want to do is start up. Uh, the, the, that weekly show I'm doing in Sydney, we've got a great format now. We're killing it. We're, you know, the, mm. the crowds are just increasing every week. 
So I want to start regular rooms all across Australia. Yeah, so rather sick. than doing a one once a year tour where I just <clears throat> excuse me do a big theater find nice bars or RSLs with good performance spaces and start up monthly rooms in Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide um and then also regional New South Wales so wow. Newcastle, Wollongong and then Canberra which yeah not technically regional New South Wales but you know dri- driving distance from Sydney. Yeah. Would you go to Blue Mountains? We, we're thinking of doing, yeah, a Penrith or a Blue Mountains yeah. type venue. I think Penrith will be funnier. Definitely. <laughs> so um, ideally by next year we have a weekly Sydney show. Uh, by the way, follow Daniel as well on TikTok and Instagram. My my Probably my best friend now, Daniel. Oh, um, that's so cute. Very cute, yeah. So we do improv together. You probably, if you look at my clips, he's the tall guy and everything. Oh yeah. I mean, everyone looks tall next to me, but he's exceptionally <laughs> tall. And he wears the hat. He's not even that. He's like six four or five. But that is exceptionally. That it's is tall. Quite tall. It's not. Yeah. Ex- I would, it's not exceptionally tall. Okay, Daniel, you're not exceptional. You just, just quite tall. You don't want to be six foot six. You'd rather be six three or four, right? Unless you want to be a basketball player. Because then you're like a bit freakishly tall. Not that I'd still rather be six foot six than what I'm. What am I now? Five foot seven. But still. Really. Yeah. Oh. If I had to choose between like six foot four or six foot six, I'd probably take six foot four. Anyway, <laughs> sorry if I'm offending any tall people. I'm sure there's someone who's six foot six listening, and they're like, "Fuck they're you, triggered. Neil." Yeah. Unsubscribe. <laughs> you and your tall privilege. You know, there's like really. All the statistics when they compare white and black people and they say the life expectancy of black people is this much shorter, the income gap. Mm. When it's short and tall men, those similar, there are very similar disparities. Yes. Every inch you gain in height as a man, your income goes up a certain percentage. Yeah. Your life expectancy increases. Yes. But really also, the shorter you are, and this is true, the more loyal you are. In relationships. Yeah, because there's no (laughs) options. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) I don't think that's by choice. I think that's just by necessity. (laughs) Life's just humbled you. There you go. See, date short men. I do. I I always think that. It's like a subconscious thing. I'm attracted to short men because I just think loyal. (laughs) It's such a bad, like, judge of character where I'm like, you must be loyal. Short guys with dad bods. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Anything goes, really. Yeah. But look at those. If you haven't already seen those films, watch them. Um, Purification. The Circle is the one that we also filmed there. Mm. That's about how, well, popular culture just goes in, in circles. and Not popular culture, but I suppose pop. Right. Pop politics. Mm-hmm. So it sort of starts at this authoritarian right and then... Then, because they're so authoritarian, people who are inclined to rebel are kicked out, and then they come, and then they eventually take over the circle. But then they make it authoritarian left, and the same sort of thing keeps happening. And yeah, I put a lot of um, I I really, you know, I'm pretty proud of those films. So if you haven't seen them, when you're in lockdown. Now, make another one. Yeah, everyone's telling me to make another one, but I feel like I've said I've just said everything I've wanted to say. Don't say that. You're the voice of the youth. I'm the voice of the youth. (laughs) I don't know who else. The voice of the millennials. Oh, what are the avocado and toast? Harry Potter. Do do one about that. 
See, what about like avocado and toast? That's like the motive. Bit different to the other ones I've made, but sure, maybe. Yeah. Or Harry Potter. Yeah, that's equally important. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'll do. Are it. you a Harry Potter fan, or are you? No, just, I never uh, was. Yeah. No, I read the first few and I didn't like it. Ah. Yeah. It's not terrible, but I, just, I don't know. I was reading when I was a kid. I, I read the um, Stormbreaker series. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love. So I was obsessed yeah. with that. Del Toro Quest. Love yeah. Del Toro Quest. I so there you go. Books. I got my adventure and my fantasy, and then Harry Potter. I was like, oh, this is just mm. too popular. <laughs> I'm too indie for this. <laughs> Every, yeah, I was indie. I'm a fucking hipster. Don't in give me Harry school. Potter. Mm. <laughs> Harry Potter, so mainstream. <laughs> All right, then we got to end on this though because I want to know what what's your opinion of what J.K. Rowling has said. You really want to end on this? Yeah, I, I do. Know. I do. I don't want to get into this debate. We've already debated. I feel about like this we before. did. Yeah, I feel like we have. Hey. Yeah. Anyway, I don't support it. I can't remember it completely, but I Just, didn't love it. Hmm. I haven't looked at all of it, but I'm pretty sure she just said there are biological differences between males and females. There right? was more to it than that. There was a lot more to it than that. Right. Yeah. There was like a whole – that was like one thing she said that uncovered, uncovered a lot of other things apparently. I'm not sure, but hmm. I remember I like looked at them all and I was like, yeah, this is this is not good. Yeah, well, that's what they say, right? If, you, if you're woke, the woke will eventually outwoke you. Well, yep. <laughs> that's, that's My a, brain was ticking over that concept for a bit too long there. Well, Chrissy Teigen got cancelled and she was the most – she was an avid canceller. Yes, but she was – yeah. She would cancel anyone and everyone, okay, always yeah. get on her high horse, talk about this person tweeted this. So then there's a lot of schadenfreude because, oh, look at it. Good. You're the one that made us all feel bad and now you're – there's, getting a taste of your own medicine. There's which, so many like conspiracies around her too. She's just a fucking. She's a wild. What's she even famous? What? How did she even get famous? She's married to. So is she talented? John Legend or something? I think. I don't think she was. She a singer or a dancer? She might have been like a young reality t- TV star. That's then what I I'm thinking. Care. I don't know. John Legend's a very good singer. He can do a lot better than that. Yeah. Yeah, and so she's she has um. I don't want to go down into a conspiracy rabbit hole, but she made a joke about going to like Jeffrey Epstein's island kind Ooh, of thing. Okay. And it was like, oh, we don't talk about that. But it was something to do with Obama's parties. I don't know. So it was weird. I can't remember. So don't quote me on that. But oh there was God. something weird there that Imagine she said. Imagine if Obama got me too'd. <laughs> Imagine if it came out that he was, you know, a regular visitor to. He was on the flight log. I don't know how true yeah. that flight log is. It was just a picture I saw on it the internet. It honestly broke my heart because I really loved Obama. I named my dog after him. So, well, a lot of <laughs> apparently Epstein just wielded a lot of influence and power in that very high upper echelon of the billionaire global billionaire class. So a lot of people would just visit his island to do business. Yeah, which but, makes well, sense. Well, a business. I yeah. don't know what they were. They may not have actually. A, a, you know, slept with any underage women. Like, I know Ellen went, well, actually, well, she might have, but yeah. I don't know, you know, there's straight women that went there and I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's not our, it's not our podcast. Oh, but I just have one more conspiracy. Okay, go, okay, okay. go for it. Have you heard how celebrities, there's this conspiracy that celebrities, the way they stay young isn't 
fill up, but they're injecting blood of like youth babies (laughs) into their face right (laughs) and this became a conspiracy because multiple celebrities said it by accident or said it on talk shows as a joke like sandra bullock they asked her they were like how do you say so young and she's like well we get this thing like it's hard to explain like basically they inject blood of other people into our face i don't know where they get it from and she seemed she wasn't even like being sarcastic like she just was explaining it and then another celebrity said it then it's became this whole thing and then uh, then they all had to come out being like it's all a joke like oh it's not true it's not true but in the last like a couple of weeks ago on the radio i heard that all this research has been done now with mice by showing that when they take the blood of baby mice and put it into the old mice or rats that the older rats basically regress in age they are more like youthful full of vitality and they're like what is this going to mean for the future and and will we be accessing that in you know in humans and they're like yeah we're already looking at that so i thought that was really interesting how there's this conspiracy and now they're rolling out all these studies to support it there is if you if you as far as i'm aware if you do increase your blood supply it does have physical benefits yeah i think that's basically what lance armstrong was doing yeah and something like that's that. how yeah. we lost all this tour de france's but i always thought it made you more athletic i didn't I know it made you you know it can reverse well, it just like regenerates you and like yeah so very spooky and then they, and then they've Look, where there's that- smoke there's fire there's so many yeah. conspiracies about celebrities now there's got to be yeah. something a bit exactly. weird that they do because then they link that to all like child trafficking and missing children like in america there's like two hundred thousand children missing like where the fuck are all these kids it's crazy there's so many kids missing in australia as well that people don't even know about like i see it a lot of my work and i'm like this is wild no one knows this but so that's why the, all the australian celebrities look like crap after 40 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not injecting the blood yeah of those aussie kids very inter- anyway just disclaimer i don't necessarily believe it but i thought that was an interesting coincidence but you know, that yeah. is, that is. Yeah. Yeah. The, the weird world of Hollywood behind the scenes. Yes. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. We definitely went off topic at the end. We always like to end it on a weird note. Yeah. <laughs> don't be passive aggressive. Okay. Simple as that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fine. If you want to be passive aggressive, fine then. Go and fucking do it. Fine, I don't do care. It. We don't care. <laughs> do what you want. Jeez. You don't have to subscribe. Fine then. Do whatever you want, guys. All right. See ya. Bye.